How many of you amazed at his love this evening? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the reality is, church, I sat there as we were singing this. If we're not amazed by his love, I don't think we know his love. Amen. If we're not amazed by God every single day, I don't think we know God like we should know God. Because when we know him and we know his love, it just amazes us every single day. It's so good to see you in God's house this evening. We're going to go to the word um, of the Lord tonight. The title of my message is actually wholly devoted. We finished up a series last week and entering into just a new word this evening. But that's the title of my message, wholly devoted. It's based on Joshua chapter 24 and several verses that we'll read in just a moment. But how many of you know that when it comes to God, partial devotion doesn't count? Partial devotion doesn't get us very far. The word of God calls us to be wholly devoted to God. And the reality is, and the truth is, every single one of us who call ourselves sons or daughters of God are to serve him fully. And we're to serve him sincerely. We're to serve him, as you know, with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. There's nowhere in Scripture that God, that God is content with partial service. Partial love or partial devotion. He gave of himself fully and he wants us to give of ourselves fully as well. Amen. So before we go to the Lord in word, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. And Father God, we just thank you for your love this evening. And Father God, we are truly amazed by it. Truly amazed, Father God, that even while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Truly amazed, Father God, while we were out there doing things that displeased you, you still sent us your only begotten Son, that you withheld no good thing from us, and you gave us the precious Lamb to wash away our sins. So, God, we thank you for your love. We love you because you first loved us. And tonight, Father God, we just thank you that you're in this house, God, that you didn't call us to gather alone and to gather in vain, but you said that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your spirit this evening, God. I thank you for the anointing that you have in store for every single one of us that make ourselves available for it. So, God, I confess my need for you tonight, God, to anoint my mind and my words and and my body, God, that you would be part of everything that takes place behind this pulpit and in your house. Give your people ears to hear tonight, God. I'm not here to condemn them, Lord God, but I'm here to challenge them through your word. I'm here, Father God, to stir them to a deeper devotion with you this evening. And I pray that they would receive your words with gladness, that they would find a place, O God, in the soil of every one of our soul, that we might bear fruit and fruit that lasts. Touch our minds and touch our hearts and touch our lives, I pray, in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Amen. As always, as I come to the close of a longer series or one of my series, I begin to seek the Lord about where I want to go. And as I've shared over the last several weeks, there's some series that have popped into my mind and there's some things that I'd like to bring to you uh, from the word of God. But I always find myself during the summertime because of the schedule of the church and the schedule of the people and vacations to limit those big series and stick to smaller, either topical subjects or find a passage of scripture that I know that I can cover in a week or maybe two weeks. And that's what I'm going to do 
over the uh, next several weeks. But how many of you know that no matter what I speak on in the Word of God, it's still sharper than any two-edged sword? Amen? That no matter what we decide to speak about in the Word of God, it won't return void, but it'll accomplish the very purpose for which it was sent. And that's my prayer tonight, that, that no matter what we cover over the next several weeks, that it will not return void, but that it will accomplish the purpose that God sent it into our lives. Amen? So I'm just praying that you're willing to receive uh, uh, where I might go over the next several weeks. I might I felt led to maybe uh, cover some more territory on the Sermon on the Mount. I might look at some of those things. I, I might find just a passage of scripture like I'm looking at or a chapter, but hope to cover it in one week. But whatever it is, I know that the Lord's going to be part of it. And I pray that you'll be blessed So tonight. I want to look at something I covered last week in Joshua chapter 24, and I encourage you all to read that this week, to make it a part of your personal study and devotion. I'm going to read a majority of that chapter this evening, but I challenge you uh, to delve into it yourself. I'm not continuing with the Beatitude series here. I'm not going to re-preach what I preached last week, but I do want to pick up uh, with a thought that I touched on last week, and that's when Joshua called his people to a renewed covenant or a new commitment, renewed commitment to the Lord. And when I, uh, as I stated last week, uh, similar to when Elijah asked the, the people, how long will you go on limping between two opinions? Or how long will it be before you make up your mind who you're going to serve? And both of those stories, no matter which one we look at, they, they speak the same message into our lives. And that is the idea and the understanding that God wants us to come to a place of whole devotion and full devotion to Him, that He doesn't want us walking through our lives wondering who we're going to serve, because as you know, we can't serve both God and mammon, amen? We can't have two masters. We have to make a decision in our life who we're going to serve. And this is really what Joshua was speaking to the people, and it's the thought that I want to continue with this evening. I'm not going to get involved in politics and all the events that you've been hearing. I want to just get into the Word of God and speak to you what the Holy Holy Spirit has shared with me. As you know, or if you recall, in Joshua 24, just after the children of Israel, this passage of Scripture is just about after the children of Israel entered into the Promised Land, but Joshua, after they enter into the Promised Land, and in Joshua 24, he reminds the people of the Lord's great work in their lives. He reminded them that it wasn't by their own strength that they got where they were. He reminded them that it wasn't by their own abilities and it wasn't by their own power and it wasn't by their own strength or their own popularity that they made it into the promised land. But that it was only because of the great work of God and only because of the great grace of God. Amen. And this is what I want you to read. This is what he this is what the word of God. I'm going to lay this as a foundation. But verse chapter 24, verse one. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders and the leaders, the judges and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all of the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Not what I say, but this is what Jehovah says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, uh, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods or worshipped false gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. 
I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. How many of you know that even our offspring come from God? I gave them to you. Please understand that everything we have comes from God. I gave them Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron... Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there and brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Notice God has been with them all along the way. Amen. The, the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and as the pastor says, the termites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also, the two Amorite kings... You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you the land, so I gave you the land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And I'll look at more, but I want to stop there because how many of you know you're only here because of God's great work? You're only here because of God's great grace. You're only here because God tarried with you and lingered with you and put up with you and put up with me. Just like he put up with the children of Israel. He's long in mercy. He, he, he endures with us. Amen. And that's the only reason that we are here because of God's great work. I said it already, but everything you have, every good and perfect thing comes from the Father above because of his great work and his great mercy. All of our successes. All of our achievements, all of the earthly accolades that you will receive, everything good that is attached to your name, I want you to understand is only because of God's great work and only because of God's great grace. Amen. You see, and what Joshua is trying to teach these individuals or trying to teach the people is that you cannot forget that. You cannot forget where you came from. You can't forget who you were. You can't forget that you once was lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. You can't afford to forget that, that while I was still a sinner, God died for me. He said you can't afford to forget it because when you do, you'll grow proud and you will fall away from God. You can't afford to forget that because if you do, he, he talks about growing fat and complacent and turning our heart away from God to the things of the world. He says, if, if you forget, you will grow content in your complacency and you will forget all about God. And listen to me, church, when we forget about God, we can't be blessed. 
When we forget about God, His kingdom can't come into our life. When we forget about God, we can forget all about His blessings and all about His goodness and all, of, all about all of the things that He has available for us. Because He won't sow blessings on to the unrighteous. Amen. We cannot afford to forget where God brought us from. And so after this reminder... After Joshua outlines to the people the great work of God in their lives and in their midst, Joshua challenged the people to choose whom they would serve that day. It's in verse 15. He basically says, choose whom you will love and follow and to whom you will be fully devoted. When he said, choose this day whom you will serve, he was calling them to a place of covenant and calling them to a place of commitment. He was saying, I want you to choose this day to whom you will be fully and wholly devoted. I want you to choose either, this is what he says, I want you to choose either the false gods on the other side of the river, or even the false gods that are on this side of the river, or choose Jehovah instead. I want you to choose the gods or the false gods of your forefathers, or the the false gods of the Amorites, or I want you to choose Jehovah. But whoever it is, I want you to choose. You see, the reality is we can't go through life double-minded, because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in his marriage and unstable in his workplace and unstable in his relationships. It's what God wants us to do. He wants us to choose, church. He wants us. Our, he wants our yes to be yes and our no to be no. He wants us our hot to be hot and our cold to be cold. He, he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. We've taught this and you've heard this. I'd rather you be hot. I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm, he said, because lukewarm Christians make me sick. And I'll spit them out of my mouth. This is what he said. He was actually talking about, and I don't mean to be graphic, but I'm going to vomit them out of my mouth. They turn my stomach that much. Why? Because I can't do anything with them. Because I can't use them. At least if you're cold, I can move on your heart. At least if you're cold, I can take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. At least if you're cold, I can bring you to a place of repentance and bring you to a place of humility. At least I can break that stone-cold heart. But if you're lukewarm, I can't do anything with you. You see, the reality is this is what it's all, this is what being fully and wholly devoted is all about. It's not about being lukewarm. It's about choosing this day who you will serve, whom you will love with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Choose this day whom you will serve. You see, the reality is Joshua had no desire to lead an undecided people. Please get that. The undecided, he would have probably rather them be hot and then be cold as well than a bunch of lukewarm people. The last thing the, the, the pastor wants in this church is a group of undecided people. A group of individuals that haven't decided who they're going to serve, who they're going to be wholly devoted to, church. This is exactly why the Word of God calls us to this place of holy devotion. This is where we need to be, and it's what Joshua is speaking to the people, and God is talking to us today. He has said, choose this day whom you will serve. Either the gods on this side of the river, or the gods on this side of the river, or the God of heaven and the God of earth. Choose this day whom you will serve. And here's one of the lessons that we must learn from this particular passage of Scripture is whether or not you're on this side of the river or this side of the river. Idolatry is always a danger. 
It doesn't matter which side of the track you live on. Idolatry is still a danger. It doesn't matter if you live on the good side of the neighborhood or on the bad side of the neighborhood. Idolatry is always a danger. It doesn't matter what you drive and what you wear. It doesn't matter what degrees you have. It doesn't matter how educated or uneducated you are. It doesn't matter how popular you are or how little known you are. Idolatry in our life is always a danger. I want you to understand that false gods live everywhere across the land. There's false gods in your workplace. There's false gods in our school system. There's false gods in our government. There's false gods in Hollywood. There's false gods in the sports industry. There's false gods all across this land, church. Idolatry is a danger no matter where we live. And this is exactly why Joshua said, I want you to be wholly devoted. I want you to choose this day whom you will serve. Because if you don't make a choice, you're going to fall in into idolatry. And if you fall into idolatry, you're going to fall into apostasy. And if you fall into apostasy, the judgment of God is going to come upon your life. This is God's words, not my words. Please understand, I don't care where you live. Idolatry is is there to be found. It's why you've got to choose this day who you will serve. Listen, if you can't make that choice, you're going to walk into the workplace and a false god is going to rise up. I don't care what it is. It's either a false doctrine or a seductive spirit or a sexual spirit or a lying spirit or a deceitful spirit. A false god's going to rise up and you're going to be given to it. This is why we need to be wholly devoted to God. Because if we can't make that choice and we can't make that decision, we'll be deceived. Listen, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything and anything. And this is why we have to be wholly devoted to the Lord. Idolatry is much a danger on one side of the river as it is on the other. Because false gods, like I said, are everywhere. They're even in the promised land. They're even in the house of God. Please understand that. The children of Israel were in the promised land when Joshua said that. He said, either serve the gods on the other side of the river or serve the false gods that are right here in the promised land. Or serve Jehovah. See, I I, I think we better be aware of the fact that false gods can even hide out in the house of God. I hope you understand just because someone calls himself a bishop, someone calls himself a priest, someone calls himself a prophet, someone puts on a robe and stands behind a pulpit doesn't mean that they are of God. They could be a false prophet. They could be a false God. They could be a false. They'd be preaching false doctrine. You got to know your God. You got to know your word or you'll be deceived. But please understand. It's exactly why Joshua called the people to choose. It's why he called them to come into a covenant or a covenant relationship with God, because he knew the dangers of idolatry. Choose this day whom you will serve. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till you can talk to mommy or daddy. Don't wait until you have a discussion with your husband. Listen, Joshua didn't even say, go home and pray about it. He didn't say, fast three days or fast four days. He didn't say, search the Scripture. He said, choose this day whom you will serve, because today is the day of salvation. And a lot of people are going to go to hell because they waited till tomorrow. 
because they're waiting until another uh, another day, another time, because they they want to work out the they want to sow some wild oats, and they still got a few wills of their own that need to be done, and they're going to find themselves on the wrong side of the the line that we talked about a couple of weeks ago and experience the wrath of choose this day whom you will serve, he said. You see, the sad reality is there's too many people waiting for another moment. There's no better occasion to come to God. No better occasion to give your heart to God. No better occasion to give your soul to God. No better occasion to repent. No better occasion to call out. No better occasion to cry out. No better occasion to reach out to God than now. Today is the day of salvation. Please understand. Choose this day whom you will serve, he charged. The other truth that we have to get from this passage of Scripture is that the choice is always ours. The choice is always ours. God gives us a choice, church. It's your choice to obey or disobey God. It's your choice to love God or it's your choice to hate God. It's your choice to serve God or your choice to struggle against God. It's your choice to exalt God, it's, or it's your, your choice to, to, to reject God. It's your choice to come near to God and draw near to God or run away from God. It's your choice to draw unto God with a sincere heart or run away from God with a rebellious heart. You understand what I'm saying? It's your choice to worship God and lift up God and exalt God and magnify God. Or it's your choice to grieve God and deny God by the way that you live and the choices that you make. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. Joshua didn't make them. He gave them a choice. You can serve that God and you can serve that God. You can serve this God or you can serve the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But no matter who you choose, I choose the Lord. No matter who you choose, I'm going to choose Jehovah. No matter who you choose, I have made up my mind as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. You see, what Joshua was telling the people is, I've made a covenant relationship with God. He was telling the people, I don't know about you, but I'm wholly devoted to God. I want nothing to do with the gods of my forefathers. I want nothing to do with the gods of this land. I want nothing to do with the gods of Hollywood and the gods of the rich and the gods of pleasure and the gods of power and prosperity and and all of those things. I will serve the Lord. That's what we need to understand. Choose this day whom you will serve, church. In real reality, Joshua was saying, what he was saying is now that you're here, when you read this chapter, you'll understand what I'm preaching. In all reality, Joshua was saying, or what Joshua was saying is now that you're here, now that you're living in houses that you didn't build, Now that you're living in cities that you didn't erect. Now that you're walking on roads you didn't pave. Now that you're picking from olive trees you didn't plant. You understand what I'm saying? Now that you're eating grapes that you had nothing to do with. uh, And now that you're living off the land that you didn't toil over. Now that you're here, will you still strive after God? Will you still commit yourself to God? Will you still wholeheartedly and fully serve the Lord? Or will you turn away and serve other gods like those who died in the wilderness? Choose this day whom you will serve. 
Now that you're in this land that's flowing with milk and honey, will you still strive after God? Will you still seek after God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Will you still look for God and long for God? Or will you turn your back on God, grow complacent, and forget about all that He has done? That's exactly what Joshua was telling them, church. And we've got to be careful that we don't fall into the same thing. Now that you've got what you want... Will you still strive after God? Listen, it amazes me, and I condemn myself. I know how easy it is to strive after God when you need something from God. I know how easy it is to strive after God when you need a miracle in your life. I know how easy it is to strive after God when the body's not feeling good and you find yourself weary and you're wrapped around by the enemy. I know how easy it is to strive after God when you need something from God and want something from God. When the cupboards are bare, the light's about to go off, when the rent's due, it's easy to strive after God. It's easy to pray and easy to worship and easy to call out for God. But when you get what you want, Will you still strive after Him? When you get what you've cried out for, will you still love God? Will you still be wholly devoted? When you possess the promise, will you still praise God for it? Please understand me. This is what Joshua is preaching. He's not interested in in a people who aren't wholly devoted. When you get what you want... Will you still be holy to voted? Will you still be consecrated? Will you still be set apart? Will I still be your first love? Or will you do what the children of Israel did under the care of Moses? They became fat and comfortable and they forgot all about God and they fell away. This is what Joshua is trying to teach the people, and I believe with all of my heart that what God is trying to teach us as well. When the promise is provided, will we still strive and serve the Lord? Or will we go back to serving the idols of our forefathers? Or will we consecrate ourselves unto the Lord? Will we, if you look at verse 26, will we like Joshua set up a stone by the oak tree near the holy place of God in order to demonstrate our devotion to the Lord? Or will we forget all of his benefits? You see, Joshua, when he got to this place, when Joshua made this bold confession to the people of Israel and said, Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me, whether it's this God or this God or that God, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I want you to understand it was in this place. Read it. Joshua took a large stone and a bo- it was a boulder. It wasn't, wasn't a little thing you could pick up. It was a big boulder. It probably needed some of the other priests and some of the other men to pick this up and set it and erect it under the oak tree. It had to be big enough that he could write the words of the Lord. It had to be big enough that they could write the covenant he was about to make before Jehovah. He took a large stone and placed it under the oak tree near the holy place of God as a sign of his covenant to the Lord. You see, the reality is... Every single one of us, when it, become, when it comes to being devoted to the Lord, have to be willing to erect a large stone. Every single one of us have to be willing to come to that place where we put up a stone in our lives for the whole world to see that says, As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. 
You see, it's not, it's about more than words. It's about coming to that place where I have made a decision to, to be fully devoted to God. It's about coming to this place where I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to go back. That I've established a marker in my life for every single person to see that if I, if, if I by chance, Turn and look behind me. I will see that that commitment that I made and I won't go back. You see, listen to me. That stone that he put there, he couldn't move on his own. It was immovable. It was strong. There was an engraving that took place on that stone. This is what it means to be wholly devoted to God. It means I'm going to let the Word of God and the law of God write something on my heart. Engrave something on my heart. Something that the devil can't take away. Something the world can't take away. Something the enemy can't take away. That when the, the enemy comes in like a flood, I can stand there like a rock with the Scribe word of God upon my heart and say, I won't be moved, church. I won't be moved. And he didn't just put it anywhere. I want you to understand, he put this stone under the oak tree. It was the same exact oak tree that Jacob himself visited one time. When, when he cleaned his own house, when he cleaned up his own heart, when he took the false idols and he took the, 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 the demonic charms from his own house, and he went to this very oak tree, and he dug a grave, and he put every false god down in the hole, and he made the same commitment, I'm putting away these gods, and as for me, I will now serve the Lord. I'll serve the Lord. This wasn't just any tree. It was a place of consecration. It was a place of commitment. It was a place where someone else gave their life to God. It was at the foot of the tree. Please understand the parallel. It was a foot of the tree. And the only tree that you and I can go to that we can put those things is at the foot of the cross. That's the tree. It's an oak. It's immovable. Please understand me. It's got roots that go down deep. It's got roots that can't be seen. Roots that can't be touched. And that's where Jacob buried his false gods. At the root of that tree. And it's exactly what Joshua did as well. As for me and my house... I'll serve the Lord. And it's in that very place, church, where Joshua tells the people, throw away your false gods. Throw them away. Bring them to this tree and throw them away. Throw them away. I believe, this is what I believe. Every individual doesn't, doesn't say it in Scripture, but in some of the studies, you, it leans to this. That there's a great possibility that every individual that came to the foot of that tree where that marker was, that laid down a false idol, their name was inscribed on that stone. That they made a commitment that day that along with Joshua, as for me and my house, I too will serve the Lord. And they put away their false gods. You see, the reality is to be wholly devoted to God, you've got to put away every false god. To be wholly devoted to God, you got to put away the gods of pleasure and the, the gods of popularity and the, the gods of prestige and the, the gods of pomp and circumstance that we just love, that the flesh longs for. we got to put away those false gods and those idols of me, myself, and I, church. The, the idols of greed and the idols of mammon and the idols of materialism. We've got to put away those false gods. Throw them away. Joshua said, you know what that tells me? 
that they had them in their midst, that they had them in their house, that they might have had them hiding under their mattress. They might have had them up on a shelf. They might have buried them under the tent like Achan did. But whatever it was, they had false gods in their life. And if it wasn't a physical idol that they could put on a shelf, they had false gods in their heart. And Joshua said, today, throw them away. Today, I'm calling you to a place of commitment and consecration. I'm calling you to choose this day if you're going to give your whole heart to God or not. This is exactly what God is calling us to, church. Listen, I know there's a lot of churches out there who would rather tell you you could have a Cadillac in your garage. I'm here to tell you that God is calling us to be consecrated unto Him, whether you got a Cadillac or not. Please understand me. All of that junk is passing away. All of it. The only thing that will stand before God is the soul of man and have to give an account if they were wholly devoted or not. That's it. I'm not going to stand there in a fancy three-piece suit. I'm not going to stand there in a bunch of bling-bling. I'm not going to drive up in a Cadillac, a Mercedes, or a BMW. It's all going to be left behind. And me, myself, and I will have to stand before God Almighty and give an account of whether or not I was wholly devoted to God. Whether my name was written on that rock. Whether my covenant and my commitment was found by that oak tree. Please understand, look at that again. I'm way off of my notes. But look at it again. Placed it under the oak tree, near the holy place of God. You want to know what you find near the holy place of God? You want to, you want to know what you find in the presence of God? You find the righteous. You find the individual that's made that decision in their life that no matter what anybody else does, I'm going to serve God. That's who you find in the holy place of God. That's who you find in the presence of God. That's who you find around the ark of God. That's what the holy place was. It was the ark of God, the presence of God, the promise and the power of God. That's who you find near the holy place of God. You find men like Joshua, and you find men like Jacob, you find men like Abraham, who was considered to be a friend of God. That's who you find in the holy place of God. No one else. Please understand me, the unrighteous won't go anywhere near there. Please understand what this represents. There there was only a handful of people that bowed down and erected an altar under this oak tree, and it's why it holds such significance to us. The reality is, if you want to be wholly devoted, you better chisel out a stone. If you want to be wholly devoted, you better find that oak tree. If you want to be in the presence of God, you better decide that no matter what anybody else does, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me... In my house, I'm going to be holy and fully devoted. Amen? This is exactly what the Word of God is trying to teach us. 
It's exactly what Joshua was trying to do. He was calling the people to a renewed commitment and a renewed covenant. He was calling them to consecrate themselves to the one who delivered them from darkness, the one who brought them out of bondage, the one who delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who gave them manna and gave them and gave them the one who did all of these things, church. This is what he was asking for a renewed commitment to the one who delivered them from the hand of the enemy. He was calling them to sanctify themselves, and it's what sanctification means. I'm going to start winding this towards a close. Got a lot left, but this is a, I'm just going with what the Holy Spirit wants. But this is what sanctification means. It means consecration. It means wholly devoted, but it means to be set apart. It means to be separated from idolatry and from unclean things. It means to be separated from false gods. It means to be set apart from this world and to be consecrated unto God for sacred and holy uses. Sacred and holy uses. You see, God's got one desire for you and me. It's for us to be safe. To be set aside for sacred and holy purposes. Listen, it's exactly why Isaiah said to the people, well, spoke the words of the Lord to the people, and he said, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. You see, the reality is, unless we're willing to be wholly devoted, unless we're sanctified, consecrated, wholly given to God, we cannot be that person, church. He wants to use you. He wants you to be profitable to the master. He wants you to be fit and ready for every good work. The Bible makes it clear that he wants you and I to be honorable vessels. But we can't do that if we touch the unclean thing. But that's what we do. We're so enamored by this world. We're so enamored by the things of this world. We're so yahoo about Hollywood and everything else that this world throws at us, church. And we touch the unclean thing. And we wonder why we can't find the power of God in our life. We wonder why we can't find that holy place. It's because we're not wholly devoted, church. It's because we're just messing around with the things of this world that are passing away. And so were some of these people. And it's why Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will be wholly devoted to, church. It's what sanctification means. Sanctified means this. It means to be irrevocably and wholly devoted to the worship of God. That's what, that's what Joshua was calling the people to, to a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Choose this day who you will be wholly devoted to. Choose this day who you will love with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And again, it's what consecration means. It's what sanctification means. Irrevocably, study it, irrevocably devoted. To be sanctified means that you have come to a place in your life, like I touched on a little earlier, where there's no turning back irrevocably devoted. It means that I have come to a place in my walk with God where I will not take back my devotion, where I will not take back my affection, where I will not take back my service, will not take back my love, will not take back my heart. I am irrevocably devoted to my God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be sanctified, church. There's no turning back. 
No looking back. No longing to go back. Like some of the children of Israel did. Please understand me, to be sanctified means that you got Egypt out of your blood. To be sanctified means you got Egypt out of your mind and out of your heart. You got no desire to go back there like the children of Israel did who died in the wilderness. Can't we go back to Egypt? They had onions. They give up a land flowing with milk and honey. They give up streets of gold. They give up pearly gates. They give up the goodness and the fullness of God for a bag of onions, church. And some leeks, the Bible said. At least we had that. They weren't wholly devoted. They'd been so wrapped up in bondage for 400 years. They, they didn't even know how to be wholly devoted. And it's why all of those individuals died in the wilderness, because they weren't wholly devoted. They never saw their promise. But those, except those that were over 18, anyone that was under 18, they got to go into the promised land. Anyone over that never made it into the promised land. And I don't want to get into that. But those, those who went into the promised land under Joshua, they were up until that point wholly devoted. But Joshua understood The ability for them to lose faith, the ability for them to grow comfortable and complacent and turn their back on God. They had not yet been called to this place by the oak tree where they had to make a choice whether they would be wholly devoted or not. But I'm saying to you, church, that every single one of us must come to a place in our Christian life where we're more than saved. Where we've done more than make this confession of, dear Jesus, come into my life and wash away my sins and make me clean and let me be yours. That's wonderful and that's good. But babies say that. That's the first step of our faith. You see, what you need to understand, as far as our denomination believes, there's being saved, there's being sanctified, and there's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons you don't see the Holy Spirit flowing through the church today is because ain't nobody sanctified. It's because ain't nobody clean. It's because nobody has erected an altar, and nobody has built up a stone, and nobody has written their name across it and said, As for me and my house, I'm going to bury my false gods, and I'm going to serve the Lord. Listen, you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power? Consecrate yourself to God. Get rid of the false God. Stop touching the unclean thing. Give your heart to God. Choose to follow Him fully, and the Holy Ghost will fall in your life. Now, I understand that there's some that are devoted and they're still struggling. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I can promise you that if you're not sanctified, you won't be filled with the Holy Ghost. You might be filled with some other kind of spirit, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. You understand me, church? This is what Joshua is telling the people. I've got a promise for you. God's got a place for you. God's got incredible things for you. But I need to know if you're going to be wholly devoted. I need to know, God is saying, if you are going to serve me with all of your heart. I'm closing with this. Sanctification means, like I said, Egypt is out of your system. Sanctification means that we are irrevocably and wholly devoted to the worship of God. And if you understand the definition of worship, which I close with, it's more than singing, church. Worship is more than singing a song. 
Worship is more than standing in here like we do, clapping our hands. Worship is more than a hymnal. Worship is more than uh, just, just words flowing from our mouths. I want you to understand that worship means to demonstrate and declare God's worth in my life. To declare and demonstrate God's worth in my life. It means to declare and demonstrate how valuable and precious God is to me. How much I love Him, how much I adore Him, how valuable He is to my life. That's what it means to worship God. It means to declare and demonstrate that we belong to God. It means that with my lips and with my life, I will declare and demonstrate that I will serve the Lord, church. It means that in all that I do, in word and in deed, I will do it to glorify the Lord. I will do it to bring honor and glory to the Father. That's what it means to be sanctified. That's what it means to be set apart. That's what it means, church. It means consecration means to declare and demonstrate that we belong to God, that I'm His and not my own. I think we forget sometimes. I think we forget more often than we want to admit that we forget that we are not our own. That we have been bought with a price and we're to glorify God in our lives, church. I think sometimes we absolutely forget that I don't belong to me. I belong to God. And I need to glorify God in my life. And listen, the best way for you to glorify God is to declare and demonstrate that I belong to Him. To declare and demonstrate that I am wholly devoted to the Lord. And that's exactly what God's looking for, church. He's looking for those that are wholly devoted to them, to Him. To those who have declared to this world that I belong to God. That are willing to visit that stone under the oak tree and have their name inscribed. It won't be erased and won't be moved. If you're willing to make that declaration tonight, I want you to stand to your feet. If you're willing to say, God, I'm going to go to the stone. I'm not going to write my own name there. The priests wrote the name. We need God to write the name. You see, you can't write your name in glory. God does. You can't write your name in the Lamb's book of life. All you can do is ask God to put you there through the blood and the work of the Son, Jesus Christ. Again, remember, they didn't get where they were. Through their own work and their own strength, we won't inherit our promise without the work of God and without the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So tonight we're saying, God, I'm going to erect a stone. I'm going to do my part, God. And tonight I'm consecrating myself to you. Tonight, God, I want to be wholly devoted to you. I want my life to be a declaration of my devotion to Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, that your word is living and active, more powerful than any two-edged sword. I thank you for your visitation, not just upon me, but upon your people, God. I sensed your Holy Spirit in this place tonight, God. And now I pray that every single word that came from heaven, just from heaven, every word that came from heaven, God, would find a place in the soil of your people's soul. I pray that it would be living and active, God, that it would begin to stir, that it would begin to separate, Father God, their spirit from their flesh. I I pray that it would begin to separate both joint and marrow, that it would pierce into the depths, Father God, of their soul, and that it would deposit a seed of salvation 
something that would grow into their life, God, and become a mighty declaration and demonstration of their faith. Forgive us, God, for our complacencies. Forgive us, Father God, for thinking that anything we have done or anything that we have acquired or anything we have accomplished, we've done on our own. We're nothing without you, Father, but we're everything with you. I thank you, Father God, that when you call us to be wholly devoted, you give us everything we need to be wholly devoted. You've given us your word. You've given us pastors and prophets and teachers and evangelists, Father. You've given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And I pray that we would put it to use in our lives. I pray that we wouldn't be complacent in our walk with you. I pray, Father God, that we would be willing like Joshua to get a stone, Father God, and put it under the oak tree as a demonstration of our devotion to you. Write our names, I pray, God, on that stone. Write our names in that Lamb's book of life. If it's not there tonight, God, let us make it right so it is there, Father. So that when we finally come to that place where we stand before the throne room of God, we might hear those words, Well done, thy good and faithful, fully devoted servant. Thank you for that, God. I pray that your anointing would be with your people as they go today, that you would cover them, bless them, strengthen them, teach them your ways that they might walk in them and bring glory to your name. Thank you for your word and your power. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord as we always do, church? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Go in the Lord and be wholly devoted. If you have a special need, love to tarry and pray with you in Jesus' name. Amen.